Welcome to the Amplifying Leadership Podcast, where we bring you inspiring guest stories on leadership topics by sharing information, conversations, and more. My name is Tara Lehman, and I'm a partner, coaching consultant at Twin Life Coaching and Business Services, of which Amplifying Leadership is a division. Leaders, we are here to support you with tools, coaching, this podcast, and more through our leadership services. To learn more about our Amplifying Leadership division and community, please visit amplifyingleadership.ca. Today, I am welcoming Paul Comfort. Paul has 30 years in leadership of government, public transit, including a formal former role of CEO at Maryland Transit Administration, is a podcast host as well, and a best-selling author. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, thanks, Tara. Appreciate it. All right. Well, why don't we get started with learning a little bit more about you and your leadership story? Okay. Uh, great. Well, thank you for having me as a guest on the show. I always like talking about leadership. I think it's important, especially mm-hmm. in these post-COVID times, for um, for people to really step up. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of people that have stepped back and stepped out of the workforce. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> we we see it in numerous industries. I mean, you know, there was another LinkedIn article this week about it, about yeah. how it's so difficult to get people back in the workforce. So uh if people are willing to step up and be responsible for other people's decisions, which is what management and leadership is all about, uh, I encourage them to do so. Not everyone's willing to do it. Like, you know, I have a, a, a relative who is um, a driver at FedEx and he's had multiple times opportunities to move up into leadership. And he says, Paul, I don't want leadership. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to think about work when I get home. I just want to drive my route go home and live my life. And so there are people like that. But for others of us who are of this mindset, uh, leadership is very important. And I've always been of this mindset, Tara, since I was young. Uh, I've always wanted to be in management and leadership and have been my entire life. My very first job, you know, the day of small beginnings, you know, like the Bible says, you know, don't despise the day of small beginnings. I started out as the transportation coordinator for the Queen Anne's County Department of Aging. And the way mm-hmm. I got that job was I wanted to be in leadership. So I ran for county commissioner when I was a junior oh, wow. in college mm-hmm. and um, I lost, uh, but I met a guy, which is a chapter title in one of my books, Full Throttle, about my career. Uh, and that's how every job in my life has been. I met a guy who then said, hey, this guy could work for us, you know. And mm-hmm. so I did that for seven years and really got into the, you know, I didn't, transportation was not something that I had thought my whole life about doing. My loves were music, <laughs> media, and politics. And politics included local government, where I felt like a lot of the action was, you know, where that's where the rubber hits the road, right? Schools and, you know, hospitals and parks and all that are all local government functions. And so, um, so anyway, that's how I got into it. And, uh, and then my career, you know, in 1991, this little small bus system I started called County Ride won a national award as the best oh, wow. transit system in America. And then since then, my career just took off. You know, I've had multiple jobs. So it moved up, as you mentioned, through mm-hmm. managing and business development and public transportation around the country, particularly here in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area. Uh, and I ran the Washington, D.C. area paratransit service for five years, which is mm-hmm. service for people with disabilities. It's one yeah, of the biggest ones in the country. Uh, really had a passion to help uh, people with disabilities. I mean, with transportation, with mobility, because... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, without it, they're stuck, you know, yes. they're stuck in care homes or whatever. Exactly. And this gives them independence, right? Uh, and then uh, was selected by our governor, Larry Hogan, in Maryland when he won uh, to become the head of the Maryland Transit Administration, which oversees Baltimore City's bus and train system and light rail and subway and all that. 
uh, and plus helps oversee and fund uh, you know with 100 million dollars or so smaller systems around the state of Maryland. So it was a great job uh, for me. I, it was kind of like the penultimate career job. And then after that, for the last six, so that was, you know, I finished my kind of time in operations. And then for the last six years, I've been doing um, basically speaking, writing, traveling. Uh, I call myself a transit evangelist. Uh, oh, I love that. Of public transportation, you know, in cities, especially, but in communities to help provide access to all of life's opportunities. That is awesome. And you're coming from an industry close to my heart as well. I was coming from trucking and didn't think that I would be in it for 23 years, but I was. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. But very inspiring that you did the para part because, you know, so many people, as you say, get stuck at home if they can't have something that's mobility able for them, right? That helps them get from A to B. So that's very inspiring. Awesome. When you think about the leadership journey, you just told us did you have any major obstacle that you or hurdle that you had to overcome that you'd like to share yeah sure i do actually uh um you know every job has their challenges right uh mm-hmm. and when you're in when you're serving in government which really i've been in or around local government or state government my whole career either as a contractor to them you know or in working in local government i was a I was an elected county commissioner and I actually was like a town manager for two t- right. two cities in Maryland where they're, they're called counties in Maryland um, as well. But it's politics, right? Politics is the biggest challenge. So if you've got your eye on the prize, which in my mind, you know, I'm a strong believer in Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. And one of them is yep. begin with the end in mind. I actually, Tara, had the great honor to interview his son, Stephen M. R. Oh, wow. Covey, on my podcast this year. That's uh, amazing. And I was just, you know, enraptured by his screen like this. But I mean, I was like, Gaga, you know, (laughs) just like his dad, just, you know, his delivery style. But anyway, um, I believe in beginning with the end in mind. And for me, with government and with transportation, the end is the people. So I'm constantly focused on how can we serve them better? But unfortunately, that's not always the primary focus and function of political leaders. Uh, one time when I was a county administrator, actually the first job, one of our elected officials said, I'd like to take you to breakfast. I said, OK. And he sat me down and he said, Paul, there's something you need to understand about me. This will help you serve me better and help us understand each other more. And that is that uh, my number one rule is I look out for number one himself. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so in politics, it's all about me. Uh, I want to promote myself. I want to protect myself. And I care about the county and I care about the environment, you know, which are two of his issues. Right. But uh, but really what I need you to know about me is that I'm always focused on self-promotion is what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what gets in the way, in my opinion. It's ego and self-promotion. And, you know, some people might accuse me that I have a lot of ego and self-promotion. You know, I'm out there promoting uh, public transportation. But, you know, through, you know, I'm writing books and all like that. But my end goal is to help people. Uh, whereas it's not really to promote myself to be elected or to be positioned somewhere. And so that's what I've come up against, Tara, over my career. Whenever I've had real challenges, it's people that are focused uh, on defending their individual position, which I get it. In politics, people are always shooting at you. So you've got to somewhat yeah. be self-protective. I, I get that, right? But at the, at the, um, at the expense of everything else. Mm-hmm. which I think is where the mistake is. Um, so I'm all, you know, I don't have a problem with people promoting themselves. I get that, especially in politics. You have to get elected, right? So you have to promote yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And even in government or, or, or um, 
you know, service jobs. If you want to be a CEO or whatever, like my podcast focuses on CEOs. I interview CEOs and I'm trying to promote them. I'm trying to give them exposure because so much of what they get is crap. You know, they get the negative if there's a fire or a, um, you know, a bus or train derailment or a bus strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's that's when they're on the news. I want them to be able to show the positive side of public transportation. I even did a cookbook just recently where they can show their personal side. That's and, awesome. Yeah, it was it was CEOs and transit executives around the world kind of showing their softer side, you know, pictures of them in the kitchen. So I'm all about promoting and all like that, but not at the expense of who we're really out here to do. You know, like uh, I just posted a quote this week from Martin Luther King. You know, he said this week and he said, because it's the honor, you know, 60 year anniversary of the March on Washington. And he said, uh, you know, anybody could be great because there's lots of opportunities to serve and uh, and serve others. And, uh, you know, my post on LinkedIn where I have a lot of followers was basically what motivates you? If, mm-hmm. if you're motivated by service to others, that's really the path to greatness. I mean, mm-hmm. Martin Luther King said that in his quote, you know, you look back on history and all of history's heroes that we celebrate weren't out there promoting themselves. They were protecting, serving, and defending others. Some of them even laid down their life in service of others. And we we call them martyrs uh, to their cause. So that's the biggest obstacle on the path to leadership is that um, we sometimes run into people who don't have that end goal in mind. And it could just be they're not enlightened. You know, I'm not speaking bad about them. They may not just fully have thought this through and understood it. They want to promote themselves and their positions and their ego and their, you know, uh, their route that they've outlined. Yeah. They don't want to hear what you have to say. They 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 tell you, I don't want yes men or yes women, but that's untrue. I had a boss tell me that one time. I don't want yes men. I said, all right. So I told him what I thought. So he fired me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, I said, I thought you didn't want yes men. Well, you know, we need team players, Paul. So, um, you know, if you come yeah. in and, and you want to be a change agent, you have a much shorter lifespan in your job than if you come in as a cheerleader. So you have uh, to I like that. what your role is. is you're, are you, yeah, everybody likes you. You don't have enemies. Or I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a change. Well, two years, you're most likely gone. Uh, it, it just is the way of the world, especially in government. So mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. And, and I agree. I think, you know, um, Serving our teams and serving our people and serving the community as a way actually to become a better leader and a better business as well. Because you're recognized for that then instead of just being somebody who is, you know, domineering and, and not listening, which is yeah. a very key piece too. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Good. So now you did mention that sometimes life, just life things can happen and affect leaders. So how can, how do you feel that leaders could be maybe more resilient when the twists and turns of life actually come up? Yeah, that's a great question. Resiliency has really come back into the forefront of the zeitgeist of this moment, especially in the pandemic aftermath, right? Because we were locked down by our governments for two years. We didn't have really mobility. Uh, people, like I said, dropped out of the workforce, especially in the U.S. when free money was given out. People took it and kind of got used to that, uh, you know, lifeline. And it, they're not, we're not getting them back in the workforce like we need to now. Uh, unfortunately, um, especially there was just a study that came out this week, you know, that white collar workers are not having a rebound. Blue collar workers are having the rebound because that's where the jobs really are needed. You know, for mm-hmm. instance, in the transportation industry, we need bus drivers and mechanics oh, big yes. time. School buses. I have a friend that has a school bus company, you know, they so um 
So life does have its twists and turns. Um, we've just come out of the one of the weirdest ones in history. No kidding. Um, yes. <laughs> weird, weird thing that happened. And unfortunately, it looks like people are trying to drum it up again. Maybe unnecessarily so. Uh, but so we need to be resilient. And I'm actually thinking about my seventh book because I've already got my sixth one in mind. Well, maybe on resilience, awesome. career resilience, because I've had my share of bumps uh, along the way. And it is, you know, so my first book is called Full Throttle. And it's because that's the way I've lived my life and career. Uh, it's an analogy for that, right? Full throttle, right? I love but, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, when you're full throttle, sometimes you hit the wakes of other boats and you have other, and you get Absolutely. thrown out of your boat. Absolutely. Uh, and so well, how do you remain resilient then, Tara? What I would say, it is um, obviously keeping your skills sharp. My dad oh, yeah. taught me, my dad was a doctor of philosophy, uh, was president of a Bible college. And he taught me, Paul, constantly work to improve yourself. That's the one thing you can do for yourself and your employer. You know, you don't have to be like, I've went to 21 years of school. Right? I'm an attorney. So I did my college degree, my undergrad in history, did what I loved, and then went to law school a few years after that and, and became a Juris Doctor, uh, a JD degree. And But you don't have to be an official degree program to continue to work to improve yourself. And I think uh, we need to continue to do that, not spend our hours flipping aimlessly on our phone. Yes. Through, um, you know, reels or through uh, TikTok or whatever, like so many people have been sucked into this vortex oh, of meaningless nonsense. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a social media guy, but you, you don't want to spend your life. You have to work on improving yourself. So that's the big one. Second one. So keep your skills relevant. Uh, mm -hmm. Stay on top of what's happening. Two would be, uh, I would say, your network. You need to continue to build your network. And that can be done through social media like LinkedIn. Like yes. I get up every morning and flip through LinkedIn see the latest articles, read. Uh, I work out of my home still. So um, so I'm able to spend maybe 45 minutes every day stoking in information uh, mm -hmm. about my industry and about relevant industries. Uh, I'm an inductive thinker. So I take all that and then come up with trends. And that's what I speak on. So for instance, in, in two weeks, I'll be the keynote speaker at the Colorado Association of State Transit Agencies, where I'll be talking about what are the trends in public transportation in the United States and around the globe. And so networking with people at that conference, making friends and talking, mm -hmm. that's all a key part of that, you know, full circle back to what I talked about. I met a yeah. guy or a gal, right? You're networking, you're building your skills, uh, your social media presence, your ability to communicate. I think it's the number one skill set for leaders right now. Unfortunately, Tara, surveys show us that 90% of people are scared to death of public speaking. They even exactly. rank public speaking is something they're more afraid of than death. <laughs> They're yeah. scared to death, literally. Totally scared. fearful yeah. of public speaking. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. But you got to get over that. Uh, you've yeah. got to take yourself, take a course, you know, go to uh, one of these, um, you know, uh, there's lots of programs out there. I don't want to yeah, promote absolutely. it. Name, but, you know, you've got, if you want to be a leader and you want to grow and you want to be resilient, I would say build your skill set, network and become a better communicator. Those are all awesome. And and even reading good, you know, books or taking those quick courses like on LinkedIn or whatever is also building skill set. So you're right. It didn't when you mentioned you don't have to have a degree. It's totally true. I mean, there's so many other ways to keep yourself current. So those were great. And, and now you're speaking to my heart when you say communication. So let's talk a little bit about communication, because okay. it is a huge, huge piece. So is there a piece of communication that you think all leaders need to have in order to grow themselves, their teams and be resilient? So I think that, um, unfortunately, and I, I have I teach a class on this, um, we have um, 
a problem in the, in the world, and that is that we promote technical excellence with promotions into management positions without training people leadership skills. Bingo. So Bingo. if you if you focus in, let's say, on the maintenance department of a bus garage, you got a good wrench turner, right? Jerry's a great wrench turner. He's the number one A mechanic you've got. So when his supervisor leaves, you're like, Jerry, you ought to, you know, let's promote you into that supervisor job. Great. Not telling him that now you're not responsible for turning wrenches. That great skill set you had is not really needed anymore. What we need you to do now is lead other people and be responsible for them. But now he's the boss of all his buddies. He can't yeah. hold them accountable. They don't even hold him. They don't even take him seriously. It's just Jerry. So there's been a disconnect in our leadership development skills in most organizations and government. And so they don't understand that at this point, on communication-wise, when you move into leadership, you have three ways you need to communicate. You need to not only communicate to your subordinates to tell them what needs to be done and to lay out boundaries and guidelines for them to follow, but you also need to communicate upward. You need to manage the relationships you have of your bosses above you. And you may need to, depending on your position, communicate outward. You may need to Absolutely. tell other people outside of your organization about what you're doing. So it's inward, outward, and upward communication that's required to be a success, I think, in any real leadership position. And I love that you talk about outward because I am a person who, when I do my communication um, workshop, I talk about, don't forget about your vendors. Don't forget about your customers because who pays everybody in your company? It's right? the customer. It's, it's those end users for you, transit. Like anybody who takes public transit, for example, right? So you can't forget about those outward people because they're so important. And vendors, if you have great relationships with your vendors, you can actually negotiate easier, get better rates, you know, and have That's better. That's exactly right. Yeah. And it's all yeah. about that communication. So it I is. love that you bring that one up as well. Go ahead. Yeah. That communication helps build relationships, right? So the basis of mm. every relationship, I believe, is respect. Uh, that if you have respect, as people respect you, you can build a solid relationship. And when you have those relationships, which occur through communication, which is, remember, at least half of it should be listening, not just yes, talking. Yes, yes. <laughs> Two ears, those, one mouth. <laughs> yeah. But those relationships, I believe, are the, are the grease that make the gears of commerce turn. And so if you have a relationship with your vendor, like you just said, uh, I do it. In my current work, you know, if I have relationships with the CEO, it helps if there's a, a blockage or a stoppage of work or supply chain or whatever. If you have a relationship with that person, you can call them and they'll take your call. They'll talk exactly. to you. They won't put yeah. you in their voicemail and you may be able to, um, develop a path out, right? To, to, to solve that issue. But if you, you know, manage from behind your keyboard, and you don't really, uh, I used to have a manager that did that. We used to say, you know, she manages by just through emails. And that, that's not what oh, management is. That's not no. leadership, at least, you know, you have yeah, to have relationships okay. with people. So anyway, those are a couple skill sets. Yeah. Yeah. Relationship building. You even touched on it earlier with networking, right? With being resilient. It's so yeah. important. Those relationships get built and that you continually build them in a positive way yes. so that you can have better connections. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And if you want awesome. to move up. Remember, if you want to move up in your organization, you really need to manage relationships with your upline and with people who are outside your direct mm. upline, but may have influence. So there is HR, finance, IT, procurement, legal, PR, all these departments that are support departments. And if you don't have good networking relationships with them and you only have it like with the operating department, they can slow you down in your career. 
So you need to be kind to them, be helpful to them when they email you and build relationships with support teams, as well as with direct operations management upline. Yeah, and I think I'll I'll add to that for companies that are larger. I work for a global organization. So even if you can network with other divisions in in a way that makes sense, like, you know, if I did HR, I connect with other HR members, you know, globally. And I think that that's also a key thing. So that I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So if you had to leave our audience with that one thing today, like there was nothing else they heard, but they have to hear this. What would you say that is? Yeah. So the, uh, I would say it is be passionate. Um, Uh it is the, it is the defining characteristic that sets you apart from others who may have the same knowledge, skills, and abilities. Uh, there are lots of people that are good that can, you know, manage, that can manage a P&L, that a profit and loss statement that can do those kind of things. But if you're passionate about what you do, if you, so this requires you, in my opinion, though, you can't manufacture passion, right? It won't be there. So it has to come from within you. So you have to take some time to do a self-assessment. Uh, what are my passions? What what am I passionate about? What would I do? What are my hobbies? What would I do for free? What work yes. would I do for free? Um, and and then analyze what your skill sets are uh, that people acknowledge that you're good at. Uh, so if you find the X spot where your skills and abilities cross path with what you're passionate about, that to me is where you should be focusing your attention yeah. for your career etc. And that is where you'll be passionate because it comes from within you. I love that tip. I love it. Find your passion. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, people, so many people work at their job and they're so unhappy, but if yeah. you can figure out what that is and that match. And you don't necessarily have to leave your job. What I've been able to do yeah. in a number of my positions, because I love, you know, media communications, that kind of stuff. I'm passionate. Communication is one of my three core skill sets. And what I'm passionate about have been for years. I, did a radio show for 16 years part-time, you know, uh, and so I've always loved that. So I've always tried to maneuver if I had opportunities in my current position. Yeah. Maybe I can just start a newsletter as a way, you know, to to uh, do some communication. Um, I like music. So when I work for the Department of Aging, I play piano. I had a band when I was in college. You oh, know, nice. I would then play piano for the seniors in the senior centers at the holidays. Mm-hmm. And we would do sing-along Christmas carols and blah, 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 or, or Valentine's Day. If we had a dance for the seniors, you know, I might play uh, some Frank Sinatra and, and uh, you know, have them. So trying to inject into my current job yeah. things that I love and am passionate about, if there's opportunity to, is another way mm-hmm. to build passion for your current position. And you may even catch the eye of a superior who says, you know what, Paul? You're actually really good at that. Maybe you should not be doing this for our company. Maybe you should be doing that. When I was CEO of the MTA, I had an unwritten rule that, you know, if you're really good, just a great individual, you don't have to do what you're doing. If you don't like what you're doing, there's a hundred different jobs, 50 different job types in our organization, right? We had 3,300 employees and 2,000 contractors, you know, $800 billion operating budget annually. So there's lots of opportunity for you here. All those departments I talked about. So if you're a mid-level manager and you don't really like what you're doing and you want to try, let's say, you know, public relations or you want to try, you know, uh, government relations. And right now you're in planning, the service planning department. Come to me and talk to me and tell me about it and I will shift you over there. We'll try it out. You can, you know, follow somebody for a few days, see if you really like it. So my point is a lot of bosses will be flexible when it comes to that and offer you opportunities to add to your current responsibilities, you know, your hand is up saying, yeah, I want to do some new things. Can I volunteer to help out, you know, in the um, after work uh, collection of cans mm-hmm. for 
you know, uh, low income people for we're doing a food drive or or a clothing drive and show your interest in other things. You may catch the eye of the bosses who then say, you know what, we'll give this person more opportunity. So that's that'll also give you an opportunity to kind of live your passion at work. And that's funny that you mentioned that because I actually did that. Um, years and years and years and years ago, I was a customer service and I was ready to take on something new and our accounting technician left and I had no accounting experience, but I was like, I'd love to try it. They interviewed me and they gave me the job, which, and it was me standing, you know, saying, yeah, I want to try it. So just like you said, talk to your boss. A lot of them are open to considering these or maybe just giving you some little jobs to see if you like it. So I ended up getting it and moving on into leadership. So, you know, you never know unless you ask. Awesome, Tara. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So if our guests wanted to learn more about you or what you're doing now or for speaking opportunities, et cetera, how can they get a hold of you? Sure. Yeah. So um, I write books. And so my book website is called futureofpublictransportation.com. Uh, people can kind of see what I've done there. All my books are on Amazon. Just look me up, Paul Comfort. Uh, my big place where I connect with people is on LinkedIn. I have about 25,000 people I'm connected with there. Just look up Paul Comfort, you know, uh, in transportation. There's only, there's only a couple of us. One guy's a bodybuilder. <laughs> That's not oh. me. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> or a weightlifter or something. And then me, we're the guys that are out there active. And, uh, or just email me, you're right? I'm at pcomfortconsulting at gmail.com and happy to connect with anybody. Awesome. Great. And thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all your insights and tips. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Tara. You bet. Also, a thank you to our audience. We both hope you are able to take away a few great tips. I know I will be to help you on your leadership journey. If you are a leader or leader to be who knows that leadership development and community are the way to grow, please visit us at amplifyingleadership.ca a Twin Life Coaching and Business Services Division. Until next time, please be safe and be an amazing leader or leader to be.